Creating a vision, seeking our passion Great cat, compassion, fashion Made in the US, eco-friendly High quality without getting all spendy We create the best, bringing it to you Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store Gravecat.com for more Hey, Grape Cats. I'm James Lucas, and welcome to episode 12 of the Grape Cat Vegan Fashion and Business Podcast. Yeah, creating a vision, seeking our passion. Great cat, compassion, fashion. Made in the U.S., eco-friendly. High quality without getting all spendy. We create the best, bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store. Grapecat.com for more. Please follow us on Instagram at GrapeCats. More and more people are looking for good quality clothing, bags, and accessories that lessen the impact on our environment. GrapeCat is the largest online retailer of top quality, earth and animal friendly products for the conscientious consumer. At GrapeCat, we do the research that saves you time and money. If you are looking for products that make a difference, visit GrapeCat.com today. And while you're there, make sure to check out our events page to see where we will be next. On today's podcast, I talked to Paulette Gloria Harwood, director of Sacred Space Yoga School and teaches vegan cooking classes. Paulette talks about why she became vegan, how yoga teachers have a disconnect between their practice and the food they eat, and some tips on vegan cooking. Here is Paulette. How and why did you become vegan? Uh, I was a ballet teacher. My mother was a ballerina, so I grew up on Snickers bars and Diet Coke, you know, if, meaning if it came from a vending machine, that was where we got our food because what do, do you go to a lobby? I don't know if you have a daughter, but if she takes ballet, you know, we hang out in lobbies of dance studios a lot. Uh, so I would eat roast beef sandwiches, potato chips, Snickers bars and Diet Coke. Uh, I, I didn't really um, know what vegan was. I had no clue, no idea. I heard a heard vegetarian before. It initially became an awareness when I uh, went on a, it, it, I think I was at the Kripalu Institute. I'm trying to think of the exact year. It might have been in the early 2000s. I had just gone out there for a yoga retreat. And there's two sides of the buffet. And one side of the buffet is vegetarian. And then the other side of the buffet is vegan. I didn't know there was a difference, so um, I, I've obviously I've learned over the last uh, five or six years now. It just became an awareness of understanding animals and doing the least harm to both myself, the environment, and animals as a whole. About 2006 was the first time I had seen any difference between vegetarian or veganism. And did you become vegan right after that? No, it was a slow transition. And did you work with someone else or did you do it by yourself? I uh, did it by myself. Um, my boyfriend and I had both become a little bit more aware of vegetarianism and veganism probably about the same time, but 
we kind of nudged each other. It is nice to have somebody to help you along the way. Did a movie help you make the switch or did you a book or you just just information in general? The first movie that I'd seen was Forks Over Knives, but that was pretty recently. I want to say three years ago. Okay. I don't remember what year that came out, but that was the first movie I'd ever seen. And books? Not really. I mean, uh, I have probably 45 vegan cookbooks right now and maybe about 20 macrobiotic ones. So I've I have quite the cookbook collection. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about veganism? That it affects every part of you. It's It changes your consciousness about making choices with what you buy and how you prepare your food and everything from deodorant to toothpaste to skincare to lipstick to, you know, do I really need to buy this? I mean, it still kind of bothers me that I have a leather couch that I've had 15 years now and uh, do I replace it do I keep it why did I buy that it makes you question everything going from a place of ignorance when you just don't know better to a place where once you know better you do better what's your key piece of advice on veganism slow and sure take it slow Keep reading, keep learning. I think find a particular uh, role model in your area or if you know somebody that is already making the transition to befriend them, get a support system. Maybe go to a meetup in your area, start a potluck dinner, watch Forks Over Knives, you know, see Cowspiracy, watch, watch the documentaries, just... Get a support system. Go slow. Keep educating yourself. What drives you mad about veganism? That everybody doesn't do it. It's the selfishness of the world. It's like, but I want what I want. I don't care if it hurts anyone else. The selfishness of people. What is one behavior or trait that you have seen derail more vegans? Habitual patterns calling into place or peer pressure from friends and family. It's difficult to follow your convictions with things when you don't have people behind you saying, I understand, you know, the the rationalization that people give you. Oh, it just has butter in it. Or I guess holidays are terrible too. Sometimes uh, the derailment that you get from your support system and not everybody else in on board with you. Now, do you have support from your family? little crazy. Uh, my mom is uh, still a dairy freak. I think everything she eats has to have milk, butter, sour cream, cheese in it. She, uh, she thinks I'm crazy. My two sisters, uh, yeah, they, they kind of think I'm crazy. I do have a support system, but it's definitely not my family. Have you shown them forks over knives? No, they don't want to watch it. They're definitely in the ignorant, uh, ignorance is bliss state of mind. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. What drives you mad about veganism? Not so much anymore. You know, I mean, it feels like conviction, conscience, and compassion. You have to have all three. If you're compassionate, but you don't have conviction and conscience, it's not going to work. If you're compassionate, but you don't have conviction, you've got to have all three. Consistency, too. I think that's where the yoga comes into play, where I just, it's called abhyasa and viragya, practice and non-attachment. So you have to practice yoga, but you have to also be non-attached to the outcome. And it's the same thing with veganism. You have to practice it. And if you slip up or you eat something that you didn't know had something in it or you accidentally buy something that you didn't know was harmful to the environment or animals or yourself and you non-attach and you just say, I'll do better tomorrow, 
if you degrade yourself and keep uh, always feeling like it's a life of perfectionism, you'll quit before you start. What are the biggest lies, myths, and misconceptions about veganism? That you have to be rich, that you have to um, have a personal chef and be someone like, you know, Jay-Z or Beyonce or Rachel, Russell Simmons or Rich Roll or, I don't know, anybody that's a celebrity vegan. But you can you can just start small by by perhaps getting a milk substitute or anybody can do it. You don't have to have a ton of money or have special powers or knowledge than anyone else. It's it's pretty easy. It just comes from it's one of the simplest things and most joyful things I've ever done. Anybody can do it. Who has had a tremendous impact on you? Lately it's been Russell Simmons. I just um reading his book now, The Happy Vegan that just came out recently. To see somebody who grew up in Brooklyn with the hardcore accent he's got and the whole, you know, hip hop culture, uh, from Run DMC to Def Jam Records to um, finding yoga through Steve, Steve Ross, who teaches in Santa Monica, to um, finding veganism and walking the walk. It's if any, if he can do it, anybody can do it. It's great. What has been your biggest struggle? Getting asked why and having the um, split second decision of how much to tell people because some people, like I said, just don't want to know. They just don't want to know. They want to eat their eggs and bacon, damn it. They just, they want their leather shoes. They want to wear their Uggs. They don't care if they're makeup Chanel and it's being tested on animals. Just blinders, not interested in hearing about what it does to the water and factory farming and just don't care. It's really frustrating. What has been your biggest victory? Uh, feeling great. Losing weight without trying, sleeping like a rock, not only with conscience of feeling better about my contribution, you know, I just uh, that feeling of you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. Knowing that I can be part of the solution and feeling that li- that lightness, that lifting of, oh, I can't do anything to help, but you can. Being, being part of the solution feels great. Best, best victory. Why did you decide to become a yoga teacher? I felt that I could transform lives the way I transformed my own to be able to help people find their true self and stop living from a place of numbness and disconnect to a place of identification and freedom and liberation. There are four things in yoga um, philosophy, dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. Dharma is your purpose, arta is means, kama is pleasure, and moksha is freedom or liberation. And all human beings have those four innate desires immediately from conception. And most people never utilize all four of those desires. They either just live in arta with, I want an oompa loompa now, like give me the BMW, I need the job. It's all about the materialism and education, the training, the the home, the accoutrements, the materialism, or they just want to have fun, which is karma, not karma, but karma. All the things you derive pleasure from, so whether that be animals, nature, music, travel, food, sex, family, relationships, whatever you get pleasure from. But it isn't until you really get into the other two realms of yoga with dharma, like learning your purpose, just why am I here and what is my unique 
contribution to the world and society as a whole. And moksha, the feeling of liberation or freedom, which is the desire to be free of the other three desires, that you really learn your value in the world. And learning that and wanting other people to have that same awareness is why I started teaching yoga. And then how did you start doing the cooking classes? I went from teaching group yoga teacher trainings to one-on-one private yoga teacher trainings. And I held them at my home. And they would either come early or stay late. And naturally, I'd invite them into the kitchen for coffee or tea. And they'd see all the food I was cooking and say, what is that? Or I'd offer them some. And my first yoga, uh, my first cooking class was born through a yoga class at my house that transformed into six people sitting around my island in my kitchen wanting to have a class about how to make a, a tofu scramble. And before I knew it, they were like, can we come back next week and learn how to make beet raviolis? And what is this? What's in it? Can you get, I want the recipe. I want the recipe. So I didn't realize it, but the cooking classes were born out of yoga students coming to learn and um, feeding them, feeding their body and their body and their heart and their soul, not just their physical body, but feeding them with nutrition. So, and I, they're, they keep coming. (laughs) The classes don't stop. So do you have a different theme every week? Is it a set of classes? How does the classes work? Um, Right now, I have a monthly theme. Uh, That started through macrobiotics and getting into five transformation theory and uh, theming cooking classes on the season. So spring, summer, late summer, fall and winter. And then getting into fermented foods, sprouting, dehydration, learning how to make miso soups, teas, lattes, and then going with like September and back to school meals, like learning how to uh, teach mothers how to make vegan lunches for their kids and getting back to school from going from, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches to um, teaching them how to make sushi to every, every month is a different theme based on the year and whatever I find a lot of people are curious about. Uh, The next class I have right now is on sprouting. Last month's was fermentation. But I'll take requests, too. The the repeat visitors always have, uh, if I make something and they love it, they'll say, okay, next class, I want to learn how to make that. I'm like, okay, we'll do that one. So, yeah, that's just sort of how it unfolded naturally. So it's a year-round class compared to just someone saying, I'm going to sign up for six weeks. Yeah, um, I have a couple different type of people that like to come. One is I go to your house. I We empty the pantry, and if it has an animal product in it, it doesn't get put back in the pantry. Then we do the fridge, uh, and then we go to the grocery store, whether it be Whole Foods or a natural store or far- farmer's market, and uh, teach them how to transform their kitchen. And those are private clients, and I go to your house. And I'll cook anything based on who in your life needs to eat. Some of those people are on either medication for diabetes or you've got to integrate a little bit of healing food into it too, depending on their diet. Or they come to me 
If it's a monthly class, um, it's a group. You never know who's going to be there. Usually have between six and eight people at the class. And we stick to that theme. I have a menu and they learn how to make it and eat it that day. That's about three hours. Uh, or the third scenario is you come, you bring four to six of your best buddies that you want to teach and they come and I work in conjunction with that one client, that one person coming up at the menu and then we learn to make it either in their home, home or at my home, depending on um, how big their kitchen is and what their goals are. That's how it, it unfolded. So clients come to you if they just want you to help start the vegan process? Yeah, half of the time they come to me through yoga teacher training because they're eating, you know, the standard American diet or they're eating chicken. Um, they think they're, a lot of yogis think they eat well. It, it's pretty funny to see how yoga, yogis or yoga teachers really think they have a great diet. And they're eating the, uh, let's see, on Saturday, one of the girls ordered a uh, chicken wrap at a Mediterranean restaurant that we had a break. And I, I simply wanted to break into my little, like, maybe I should just have the falafel instead, but lecture, but I didn't, I didn't do that. I just, she didn't know me well enough. I didn't get into it, but they really have this perception that because she's eating and I don't mean to pick on this one particular student. I'm just trying to give you an example of how they really think they eat well. And ultimately, they realize that they're not. It's an educational process. If it's humane or grass-fed it's, or organic and they're not getting steroids or they're getting plenty of hugs, that it's still okay to eat it. Yeah, that, that, that they're still eating well. You know, um, until they get even into like understandings about inflammation and nightshades and, you know, getting into a lot of like deeper topics of nutrition. But the, uh, the, the lack of awareness of people out there about nutrition, wellness um, and just eating, where am I going to get my protein through? And if they don't get it through chicken or cheese or beef, then, you know, they're going to wither away and die. I just don't understand. The lack of knowledge is astounding. That's really what I teach in the cooking classes, not just how to make really yummy food. And they all go home like stuffed with to-go's. In fact, I don't, actually the last couple classes that I've had, there were no leftovers to send anyone home with. I was kind of bummed. You know, the next day I was like to open the fridge and be like, oh yeah, I've got leftovers from last night's cooking class, but I haven't had any, so I guess that's good and bad at the same time. What are you grateful for? So much. My three children. They're not, not children anymore, 23, 21, and 18. Uh, a strong family, a fabulous boyfriend, and my education, uh, studying with some of the best yoga masters in the world, Rod Stryker, Pandaji at the Himalayan Institute, Rolf Silvik, great teachers, really great deep yoga masters. It, it, it's crazy how many people call themselves yoga masters right, right now when you op open, you know, L.A. Yoga Magazine or Yoga Journal. You know, everyone's called a yoga master. Like, but to have really studied with, with yoga masters and, and learned so much. But now it's, it's my, my students, how much I see the growth and the change and the transformation and just spending six months with them going through a training themselves. That's the greatest joy is uh, seeing change and shift in consciousness of their own health and well-being, passing on the lineage from my teacher to myself, to my students. Hopefully they'll do the same. Are your kids vegan? No, they're not. 
Um, working on it though. <laughs> My daughter's 23. Uh, she gave up dairy for quite some time. Still can't seem to give up the chicken. Um, my son's 21 and it's much better, uh, healthier wise, as in organic and less processed food, microwaved food, canned food, packaged food, staying, um, more aware of, of putting more nutrition into his body. And the baby could really give a darn. Uh, he's 18 and, uh, would pretty much eat anything. So no, not yet. But patience, patience. I think veganism has taught me patience, too. Not something I had before. What is the best way for people to contact you? My website, paulettegloriaharwood.com, H-A-R-W-O-O-D. You have to be careful with the Boston accent because it sounds like Howard, right? Like H-O-W-A-R-D. So (laughs) that's the best way. And they can find out about your yoga classes and cooking there? Yep, yoga teacher training, cooking classes, and any macrobiotic cooking classes that you might be interested in, too. Okay, great. Thank you so much. My pleasure, James. Great. Good luck with Grape Cat. Love your business. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grape Cat Vegan Fashion and Business Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find the show notes at grapecat.com. Do us a favor before you go, please take a few seconds to rate this podcast. It is a key way to get this podcast higher in the ranks, which will make it more accessible to people who truly need this information. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Make sure you never miss a future episode of this podcast by subscribing. If you have any questions or guest ideas, please send them to podcast at grapecat.com. Thank you for dressing compassionately. Creating a vision, seeking our passion. Great cat, compassion, fashion. Made in the US, eco friendly. High quality without getting all spendy. We create the best, bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store. Grapecat.com for 